0: clock at seven working against butler got downhill couldn't punch it bam says get it out of here murray trying to get it shot clock winding down murray puts up a three bang jamal murray from downtown
1: you are locked on nba your daily nba podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead, host of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast, and joining me for the first time. We've actually never spoken before, so hopefully this goes well. Renee Washington, what you got for me?
1: Nick, it is great to be on a show with you. It's only been social media conversations. So I feel like I've had many conversations with you, but our first time collaborating and joining in on a show as we're here on locked On NBA. I've got no words after the incredible basketball that we saw Tuesday Ah, let's let's get right into it.
0: Absolutely, let's get right into it. Renee is the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast. She was a uh, former college soccer player and a, a pretty good one, and has been on <laughs> you know all kinds of different networks, ESPN and Fox, and all kinds of stuff. She knows what she's talking about. She is here and ready. Uh, also, Renee, you're a big LeBron stan, so we got to get into it right yes. away. We're gonna talk about the you know Clippers versus Nuggets game. Clippers drop it eighty nine to one hundred and four, and I know everyone's going to say it like that. They're going to say that the Clippers dropped the game, but the Nuggets deserve some credit. So right off the top, let's give the the Nuggets some credit. I mean, this Nuggets team is incredibly resilient. I mean, down (laughs) 3-1 twice to come all the way back is absolutely insane for that team to do that, against the Jazz and then again against the Clippers. This Nuggets team is so wild. Jokic, when you look at him, is so unassuming, and you just think, "Oh yeah, this is easy." When we got this, you know, if you're the Clippers, you're saying, "We have this series. We're gonna win this." There's no way they're gonna win, you know, three straight against us. And then they just come in and they just kick your ass in so many different ways. Just the back cuts, the doubles where Jokic can pass out of them. The way that he hits those crazy, float, you know, floaters and shots. The Sombor shuffle. I mean, Jokic is just. He scored 16 points only in this Game 7, and he was the best player on the court.
1: You know, I think you said a lot of things there that that completely um, hit it right on the head, and the fact that the Clippers had no answers for the Joker. They didn't know how to match up with him. They didn't know how to slow him down. He was the one that really unbalanced their defense. And I was watching some of the post game commentary on ESPN and just looking at the breakdown of it. You know, they didn't really have an answer for him because he hit with his size and his versatility. You can't give him space to shoot. You can't get up on him because he sees the floor well. He's a great passer. He's, a, he's great with the, with the ball on the floor. He is so versatile as a big. And they had zero answers. And then you add in the fact that Jamal Murray's been having 40-point games like it's nothing. And and the Nuggets are playing with a level of confidence that, honestly, coming into Game 7, I was saying they're going to win Game 7. Because you you don't win three straight. You don't win—excuse me. You can't come back from being down 3-1 and then not have that confidence going into Game 7. And you're doing it against the Clippers. Against the Jazz, that was big. Don't get me wrong. That was an incredible series. I thought that was— one of the best NBA series I've seen in a while in the playoffs. Just where any—I didn't have a horse in the race. I didn't really care who won. It was just exciting down to the finish. But then this series happened, and the difference is you're playing against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, who everyone is, you know, always saying is one of the best players in the league. They're quick to try to take the crown from LeBron and pass it on to Kawhi (laughs) or Giannis. Well, both of them are now home. So at the end of the day, you not only beat a team— You beat a team with one of the best players in the league that everyone, for the most part, not myself, but most people had winning the championship, and you were down 3-1. So just so many pieces there from Denver that you can't, for as as much as it was what the Clippers did wrong, it was a lot of also what Denver got right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great way to put it. I think Jokic finished the game 16 points, 22 boards, 13 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. I thought his defense was also pretty inspired in this game too. I mean, just all the, all the rebounds I thought were pretty big. You know, sometimes we don't think about de- rebounds as def- as uh, defensive stats, but mm-hmm. the way he's able to just grab the ball out of the air and take it away from the, the Clippers and get second chance points away from them, like they weren't able to, you know, continue to keep putting up shots and keep putting up shots. Jokic was able to take it away from them. I thought it was massive. Jamal Murray, like you mentioned, forty points in this game. He everything he was throwing up at the end there, even that crazy, crazy shot, when was it? With two minutes and twenty five seconds left, that three pointer <laughs> that he hit in the right corner where he's just, you know, kind of falling out of bounds and threw up a prayer with the shot clock going down, they went up twenty with that shot and he just threw it up mm-hmm. and it went in. I mean Absolutely wild. Has, Renee has Jamal Murray stepped up to an, another level now? I mean, we, we've probably talked about all of this during the first round series where he was scoring 50 like three straight times. But has Jamal Murray taken an even next level, especially playing against this Clippers team with Patrick Beverly, first team all defense, Paul George, he's been first team all defense, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, all these guys have been guarding him, and he went out there and dropped 40 in a game seven.
1: Yes, he has. And I actually remember having the same exact conversation um, earlier on in the series, thinking that at the time, Jamal Murray was kind of being knocked down a peg and it was like a, an adjustment. But Jamal Murray, this all started last year, coming off that, that getting knocked out of the playoffs and that sour taste of being the number two seed and underperforming in that sense. You know, Jamal Murray and, and the Nuggets had something to prove, and you could just see the hunger. And you still can. They're not done yet. You can see the hunger. You can see the confidence. And it's not even just a matter of points. Granted, everything he's putting up right now is going in, but it has a lot to do with, I think, just the fact he's believing in himself. They're believing in themselves as a team, and they really are bringing that um, swag and, and underdog mentality and the fact that so many people overlook the Nuggets. I don't know why. I mean, the Nuggets have had a top record in the league, but because they're such a quiet team and they don't—they're not as flashy and they're not as exciting to watch in the same sense as maybe someone like the Lakers, the Clippers, the the Celtics, the Heat. They often get dismissed and overlooked, and I think that's something that they're bringing to each game is that understanding that they were talking about it post game. We're just trying to have fun. We're trying to compete, bring the effort, bring the energy. We know what we can do. Nobody else does. And when you come into a game and you don't have that pressure on you versus what the this, this Clippers had, which was a lot of pressure, championship expectations, they hadn't proven anything, yet so many people already had put them on a pedestal they didn't earn. Whereas the Nuggets were the opposite. They actually deserved more credit. They've been here, and that's something Doc Rivers was saying was, this is a team that's been in the playoffs and down the, down in the, the trenches of the playoffs before. We have not been there as a team, maybe individually, yes. But that's what's really been the bread and butter of the Nuggets right now is doesn't matter if they're down 3-1 back-to-back series. They're making history. They're finding ways to win. And they're showing that stop, looking over, stop overlooking the Nuggets because they are a good team. And Jamal Murray and the Joker are a big reason because of that. But the numbers they're putting up are out of this world that this is a team I've been sa- – I was saying – Honestly, Nick, moving forward in the next couple years, this is a true championship team. But, hey, they're in the Western Conference Finals. They're still playing. So who knows? Now, I don't think they get past the Lakers, but I didn't think they would have gotten past the Clippers either. Yeah, you you just
0: said, why aren't people giving the Nuggets credit? And here we are discrediting the Nuggets again. (laughs) I thought that Jokic's quote post game was so telling. He said, we are just not accepting that somebody's better than us. And that quote right there is just when you don't accept it, when you go out there and you're the best player and you make winning plays. I mean that it's just it's so telling. You you know, you're an athlete, you know when when push comes to shove, your best players go out there and they make the winning plays and that's why they're the best players and Jokic went out there and did that. Coming up, I want to talk about the other side of this. Oh boy. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Doc Rivers, all them on the other side. We have to talk about that. Hopefully it won't be just a whole segment of us trashing the clippers, but I don't know, Renee. <laughs> it, Renee. <might> <laughs> it, may, it may end up being that. We'll also talk about the Celtics versus Heat game in the third segment. We'll get to all that coming up.
1: Game 7 was definitely one for the books, and there is plenty to get into. Renee Washington here, host of Locked on Wizards, joined by Nick Angstead, host of Locked on Mavs. And, Nick, we were discussing all that the Nuggets got right to win Game 7 as they're moving on to the Western Conference Finals to take on the Lakers. LeBron James, eighty and the Lakers. Well, the Clippers underperformed – once again, did not reach the conference finals. In fact, they, are, they have been the longest franchise in sports that has not reached the conference finals. 0-8 in conference semifinals. A lot of records on the wrong side of history. But also looking at the way that this team played in a Game 7 must-win game. Kawhi Leonard, only 14 points. Paul George, another offensive struggle with a shot like the one off the side of the backboard. Yikes. What are your thoughts on the clippers coming out of this game seven? do you think it's it's time to maybe make some changes moving forward or is it truly just they're a learning year for them that we're gonna have to understand they they took their lumps in that sense because it is such a new group?
0: it's so confusing, Renee. it's so confusing to see this team how talented they are how how much of a big game they talked I mean there's an article going around right now where Patrick Beverly said you know once they signed, Kawhi and Paul George and that put that whole team together that that Patrick Beverly said, get out of the way, Steph Curry. The next five years are mine. Um, (laughs) The next next one year wasn't yours because you're already out. I mean, this team was talking so much big game. Seeing them, you know, game to game, minute by minute against the Mavericks. I mean, they just seemed that this team was so cocky. This team was so full of themselves. It just, maybe it was that they were playing the Mavericks and I was taking it personally, but it just seemed like every single basket was like, they were taking personal and that they were, you know, laughing in the, the Mavericks faces. Michael Kidd Gilchrist took a three from the corner. It's this video that worldwide Wob has been sharing and keeps going around where the Clippers bench just like threw up their arms and laughed and fell over the end of the, the bench. And now the tables have been turned. I mean, this Clippers team is now going out before anyone thought they don't get their, you know, their moment in in the spotlight against the Lakers. They don't get to play that team. Kawhi Leonard, 6 of 22 in this game. 14 points. 14! 14. 14, Fourteen. Fourteen and a game seven. He was outscored by, he, you know, he had scored the same amount of points as Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant. This is a guy that a lot of people, including my co-host on Locked on Mavs, think is the best player in the NBA. It's just so confusing to me. I think this Clippers team shows a lot about continuity in the NBA. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks fans love 2011, that title, more than anything. Uh... What what that title told us was that you can't just throw a team together like the, the 2011 Heat and expect to just go out and win a title right away. And this Clippers team is just another iteration of that. Throwing a team together and trying to just have no chemistry this team this Clippers team was even worse than that Miami team because they barely even played together during the regular season and then the season was stopped for a little bit and then they weren't together during the seeding games I mean they were so out with injuries here and there there's you know this team, this team, did not get a lot of time to play together, and yet they were acting like they were going to go out and win the title just by flipping a switch. Am I wrong by saying that? By the way, was this just me taking it personally because they beat the Mavericks and they were playing, you know, kind of playing <laughs> with the Mavericks' emotions? What did you think from kind of a an outside observer, Renee?
1: You know what, Nick? Honestly, I felt like that Mavs Clippers series could have easily gone the other way. I think something that the Clippers, in my opinion, in the postseason, what I saw was. I don't like to use the word luck, but just a lot of things working in their favor. You know, if you look at game one, if Kristaps Porzingis doesn't get ejected, if Luka doesn't get hurt in game two, if Luka doesn't get hurt again, if Porzingis doesn't get hurt again. I mean, <laughs> you literally had a series where the best player, one of the two best players on the Mavs that w- was always dealing with an injury or not there on the floor. And they honestly looked so beatable and it, and so... Um, disconnected. And that's something that has been openly continuously shared is the little amount of time that this starting five has played together and the fact that they haven't had a chance to really get a chemistry going on the floor. And we all know that just because you have talent doesn't mean they can all play together. That doesn't mean they're just going to be able to step on the floor and it's magically going to happen. It does take time to build that chemistry. That 2011 Heat team you bring up, which I am a, Lebr- a LeBron James fan, so I enjoyed <laughs> watching that team. was disappointed when they lost. Still hear it all the all the time about the Mavs winning that. Yeah, till J.J. JJ Buret got a piece <laughs> Yes. Another example of the fact that it's more than just talent that helps build a championship team. But I think the most disappointing part about the Clippers is it wasn't just like you can sense when a team really is just having chemistry issues. To me, they just did not have the energy, the effort. I know Kawhi is a very mild mannered player and He's a very mild-mannered, quiet person in general with his temperament. But they, to me, the, the calm, cool, collected, cocky mindset that they bring to the floor was the most irritating thing to watch. Because they really, you would think they were the Warriors dynasty coming off of two championships because of the way they stepped on the floor. Meanwhile, they had not done anything. Here you are now going home. You haven't done anything. You haven't proven anything. So regardless what preseason polls and what predictions people have and how much hype you're getting around, you know, the media and around fans, it means nothing if here we are after game seven, you're heading home. And that was the most frustrating part because as as much as I respect a player like Kawhi Leonard, to see them having beefs like Patrick Beverly and Paul George with Damian Lill- Lillard and all that stuff, that it's just <laughs> – honestly karma it's karma because this team was so talented yet underperformed in so many ways that they could have honestly been going home after the series versus the Mavs so I think this is definitely a reality check they've been knocked down a few pegs I've been saying this from the beginning when the Wizards lost that scrimmage to the Nuggets I was saying it then on locked on Wizards way back at the beginning of the NBA restart, watch out for this Denver team because at the time they didn't have Jamal Murray and they looked, and I know they're playing the Wizards, you can make all the excuses you want, but I was looking at the way they looked as a team that they were giving me like San Antonio vibes the spurs of mm. the classic Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, uh, Tony Parker where they just are all on the same accord and that was without Jamal Murray. And to see how they've progressed in the bubble, I've been saying this is a team that is a couple years out from being a championship team while a couple years might be happening now. So that's something that you know you look at their progression versus the clippers. The clippers have not been convincing to me ever from the beginning because I, I just think that doc rivers is literally trying to rein them all in and every time out you see he's bringing them in that's the attitudes they're not focused they're not getting back on defense they're not hustling, they're not doing the little things that builds a championship team and we all know hard work beats talent when talent doesn't hard work doesn't work hard excuse me Oof. and that is something that the clippers i've always felt like was their Achilles heel and it showed in this series and finally got exposed that they were sent home But I just think that for them, it's either going to be a matter of making some a change, or they really have to reevaluate their approach. Because again, you haven't done anything. You have all the talent in the world, but you have not proven it yet.
0: I'm glad it wasn't just me. I'm glad somebody (laughs) else saw it. It is me too.
1: It drives me insane because I'm a competitor. I'm a, I am one of the most competitive people ever. And to me, I can't stand when people have this like entitled type. Um, you know, way they carry themselves. And that's to me, the Clippers, like, what do you have? What are you walking around getting in beast with Dame over Damian Lillard brings his best every time playoff, Paul George, you're hitting the side of the backboard. You're not scoring Ooh. Kawhi. you're out there, meek and timid and throwing the ball away. The three point line with some terrible turnovers, Yeah, it's not just you.
0: (laughs) Good. After the game, quotes are now coming out from the Clippers' side. And just crazy things. They're they're all saying, you know, we had the talent to win. We just didn't have enough time together. Or, you know, we just didn't have enough You know, this was championship or bust for us. This Mark J. Spears quote from the (laughs) undefeated... Oh, my gosh. All right, I just want you to respond to this. As a former athlete, he said several Clippers players were so fatigued during Game 7 against Denver that they struggled to play stints longer than three minutes and asked out of the game for a breather in the fourth quarter, sources told The Undefeated. As an athlete, how do you feel about them claiming that, well, we just ran out of gas. We were just too winded at the end?
1: It's unacceptable. You were up 3-1. You should have ended the series two two games ago. But how about the Nuggets coming back in two back to back series? Granted, they should not have put themselves in that hole in the first place. But coming back, back to back series, seven game series, down three one in both, and winning both. And you see, you see Jamal Murray, I mean, he sat out a few minutes um in the first half, but him, Nikola Jokic, they're like, put me on the floor. I wanna be out there. They were the opposite. They're like itching to get off the bench the few moments they were sitting down because it's a game seven. You have now plenty of time to rest and sit, go sit on the plane when you go home. It's just to me, that's a, a true definition and underlying issue with this Clippers team because their focus is not there. If you are in a game seven and you don't want to be on the floor, you don't deserve to win that game seven. Mm-hmm. You, I I mean, most players in those moments will do anything they can because it's put up or shut up. It's win or go home. And they're, they're trying to do everything they can. If anything, it's the opposite. Coach, don't take me out. I will rather drop on this floor and literally <laughs> leave it all out here than to sit down on the bench knowing that this is a must-win game. So, I mean, what are your thoughts around that? Because that's just unacceptable. But I think that's what I see from Doc Rivers, that he has to keep continuously coaching. It's not even just on the floor. It's the mentality and the approach that's so lackluster from a team that has so much talent.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the minutes and Kawhi played 43 and a half minutes, which is the most on the team. Uh Paul George played 38, that was the next highest. And then the next highest after that is Beverly played 30. Mm-hmm. Marcus Morris played thir- uh, 26. Harold played 25. Lou Williams played just under 24. Uh Jamaica Green played 24. I mean, Zubac played 14. Shamit played six. He had that ankle injury. By the way, Shamit hitting that shot with the ankle injury right after was so oh awesome. God. That was a great moment for him. <laughs> uh, the rest of the moments were not great. But none of those guys played that many minutes in this game. I mean, maybe it was just you know collective. They're playing every other day. The bubble is different. Maybe they're not. So is everybody else. Maybe they're not sure to take care of themselves the right way. But I mean, same. I mean, Denver had the same side. Murray played 44 minutes. Jokic played 40 minutes. Gary Harris played 37 minutes. You know, all these guys are playing the same exact number of minutes and they came up way bigger. And basically won this game by 20 before doc put in, you know, the, the, you know, like the end of the bench guys and played yeah. basically garbage minutes in a game seven, which is just completely wild.
1: It is definitely wild, Nick. And as you mentioned, I mean, Yes, they're playing every other day and they're tired and it's game seven, but so is everybody else, you know, and and champions and competitors aren't focused on the excuses, but just trying to find a way to help their team win. So I think that's something that, you know, the better team won, the better team won, not the better talented players. And actually, the Joker and Jamal Murray were the more talented, consistently more talented players in this series. But we have to get into another series that did kick off on Tuesday. Game one, Heat Celtics did not disappoint whatsoever with that down-to-the-wire overtime win by the Heat. So coming up, we will get into that here on Locked on NBA. But
0: before we do, let me tell you about one of my favorite snacks and one of my favorite meal replacements, Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's an incredible bar. If you ever just want to go to the cabinet or go to the pantry and just pick something out, just say, man, I want something, some kind of snack that's going to tide me over to dinner or Replace my breakfast or something that's just gonna tide me over to a certain point in the day I know everyone has that at the office or if you're still at home. You're like man. I'm working from home I'm snacking all the time. Here's a snack that you can eat without all the guilt of man I'm just eating chips all day or man I'm just eating like mini muffins all day. I have mini muffins in my pantry right now I want to get them 18 incredible flavors with Bilt Bar They have six new ones caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake apple almond crisp incredible new flavors The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. You can eat them without feeling too worried. They're also covered in 100% chocolate, so you know that they taste good. They're chewy. They're awesome. Incredible different flavors. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. And right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Renee, let's get into this game. Game one. Eastern Conference Finals, Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. The Heat take this one in overtime. By the way, we just spent two segments talking about you know Game 7. We had a game go into overtime <laughs> over in the, the Eastern Conference. Heat win 117 to 114. Dragic scored 29 points in this game to lead the Heat. Thought he was absolutely incredible. Bam out of bio, though. The story of the game. 18 points, 6 boards, 9 assists, 2 blocks, and the biggest block maybe in NBA history besides the LeBron chase down block. I mean, there's just not many blocks that are just that amazing. The fact that Bam Adebayo was able to block Tatum's dunk at the rim when Tatum had cocked the ball back so far behind his head, and that was going to tie the game. And it was just completely, completely out of out of control. The Bam Adebayo did that. What did you see from mm-hmm. this Miami Heat team that came back several different times? The Celtics had 14-point leads a couple times in this game. They were able to come back, force overtime and then take this game.
1: Yeah, I think you know, I know we'll get into the Celtics a little bit more, but the Celtics have been struggling with keeping these leads and we saw it in the Raptors series as well. But looking at the Heat specifically, you know, one of their strengths is their versatility and their depth, and that they are able to be dangerous on all points of the floor, including the defensive end. Bam Adebayo's block at the rim of Jason Tatum for what would have tied the game. Oh, no, won the game. They were down by one at the time, right? Am I doing the math right? Tatum's Either dunk, way.
0: They, they would have been tied if Tatum hit the They would have
1: been tied. Right, they were down by but two. But Bam probably would have um,
0: fouled him, though, so he probably would have gone the free-throw line. That's also true.
1: So... That is just, to me, something that sums up the heart and soul of this team. It's the complete opposite of what we were talking about with the Clippers, and that this is a group that is also believing, and much like what Denver is doing on the, in the Western Conference, that he are doing in the, the same in the Eastern Conference, because they're another team that I feel like doesn't get enough respect. People will call them a, a Cinderella team and an underdog. They're the number four seed. They swept the first series, one five one against the top-seeded overall team in, in Milwaukee. They're not an underdog. They're not a Cinderella. They're a top team. And they're showing that. And I think Jimmy Butler, for one, is is leading that. He's talking the talk, walking the walk. He's coming out every day. He's bringing the same level. He actually had a quieter game, so to speak, with 20 points. And and uh, <laughs> that's that's saying a lot in the fact that that was a quieter game for him. But they have the pieces. When you look at someone like Goran Jogic and, and Tyler Hero, even Duncan Robinson, who only had six this game, but he – you. On any given day, any of these players are knocking down big shots. Jay Crowder and Bam Adebayo just do all the little things. They fill in wherever needed. If it's needed for them to step up and score, they do that. Needed to step up and get a big block like Bam did, they do that as well. They get rebounds, they set picks, and and they're great at opening up players through, through screens and just their movement on the offensive end. They have so many pieces, and of course you have a championship coach in Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley, who does a tremendous job for them in the front office. Even older veterans like an Andre Godala, this is a team that, honestly, I know I've been saying that the Celtics should come out of the East, and, I, of course, here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals, so it's still possible. But I could honestly see this series going either way. I have, I have no 100% confidence either direction because this Heat team, much like the Nuggets, they're just finding ways to win. And there's something about that confidence boost of knowing that you are co- you're now 10-1 and they won they swept they only they only lost to the milwaukee once and that was honestly a game they could have and should have won as well but you are in the eastern conference finals a team that does not have the respect you should and you have only lost one game so far that's a huge confidence booster and they're showing that on the floor so this is a dangerous team and you got to watch out for them oh
0: absolutely this team is is showing us what they're made of just every single night and you're right. This game is literally a bam out of bio, dislocated shoulder away from the the Celtics taking this. I mean, if his if he doesn't hold up there, if he's not strong enough to hold that, I mean, either his hand breaks or his shoulder gets dislocated because Tatum was coming out there with authority on that dunk. Just one of the most wild plays ever. The Butler played right before that, the and-one drive on Tatum, by the way, mm-hmm. with 12 seconds left to hit the free throw to make them go up by two at the very end of overtime there. That was also a massive play from Jimmy Butler. 20 points, but the three there were the most important. This Miami Heat team, to me, looks like that 0-4 Pistons team. You have Bam Adebayo mm-hmm. kind of playing that Ben Wallace role. You have Jimmy Butler, who I think plays the... He plays the Billups role, not as the lead ball handler, but kind of. I mean, they talk about how Bam and Butler are kind of their playmakers, and they're kind of their point guards at this point. And he plays that role. He also plays the Rasheed Wallace role, which just obviously, I mean, like aesthetically. He, he doesn't play, you know, his game isn't that, but just the way that he carries himself. Jay Crowder is like the Tayshaun Prince, the long, rangy, like wing guy. Dragic is kind of the Rip Hamilton shooter, can, you know, change the pace. And then you have... You know Tyler Hero is kind of your wild card off the bench, which is like you know a couple of their guys, Corliss Williamson, Lindsey Hunter, guys like that. Uh, so this team I think kind of reminds me of that team. Championship coach like that. Larry Brown was was kind of a guy that had been around for a while. You have Eric Spolster has been around for a while and is you know has had championship you know teams for sure. This team is built around all the players and not just one specific guy, but they know their hierarchy in the end of games, right? They know Butler's getting the ball. They know that they can give the ball to Bam at the elbow and he can make something happen and, and you know pass. They know that they can trust Dragic to change the pace of the game. I thought Dragic changing the pace of this game, when was it? It was in uh, the second quarter. I thought Boston was taking a huge lead and then Dragic came in and just completely changed the pace and Miami was able to, to storm back because it was looking in that first and second quarter like the Celtics were just going to coast to this win and the Heat just came back and they were resilient enough to you know, take this game back. Man, on the, on the Celtics side... You have Tatum who played you know an incredible game, 30 points, 14 boards, five assists, three steals, two blocks, just stuff in the stat sheet. Kimball Walker with 19 points, Jalen Brown with 17 points, Smart with 26 points. nobody else really coming up big for them and there's not really any more names left on this on this list. Tice had foul trouble. He fouled out. Brad Wanamaker had 11, Semi Ojalay, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. I mean, those are the rest of the guys. I mean the, the Celtics are running out of players, Renee.
1: That's actually something that I spoke about earlier on my show that I think is going to be the Achilles heel of the Celtics if this series does go the distance, which I anticipated absolutely going the distance because that's something we noticed in their game seven against the Raptors. Down the stretch, the Celtics only had five guys to put on the floor. You know, for as much as you have someone like Robert Williams or Grant Williams um, add to the team, when it's crunch time, they don't have those options. And I think they just are, when I look across for Miami, they're about six, seven deep. Like, you could put Andre Iguodala or, or even a Kedrick Nunn in, but definitely Andre Iguodala, who's a champion and MVP on the floor, and you know that he'll, he'll he'll give you something. I don't know that the Celtics have that. So if foul trouble happens, overtime, just late games where your legs are heavy and you need someone to, to come in and, and be a spark off the bench to give you good minutes – they really do not have that. I know there's some hope that Gordon Hayward, the longer the Celtics are, are in the playoffs, that he'll be able to get back from that ankle injury. Gordon Hayward's had a number of ankle injuries, of course, including that gruesome one a few years back. Who knows how he will return if he's able to return? I'm not banking on that. So they need to find a way to keep these games honestly short. Overtime games, the longer the series goes, the less it's in their favor, to be honest. But I do love what Jalen Brown and Marcus Martin have been bringing for the Celtics as well as Jason Tatum. I think that Kemba Walker, actually, for the the 19-point performance he had and the, the late basket he had as well to, to keep the Celtics in it. Huge. He definitely is doing well, but I still feel like he's missing something. Like, I feel like it's it still hasn't been—he's not leading the team. And like you mentioned with the Heat, they know down the stretch, get the ball to Jimmy Butler. Down the stretch, I'm not— convinced and completely confident in getting the ball to Kemba Walker. I almost re- recommend, I mean, Jason Tatum's the one that's, that was going for the, the tying shot at the end. I, I actually think he's the go-to guy. So I think they actually need Kemba Walker to still give them a little bit more, um, get over that hump of more of like a 30 point performance instead of a 19 point performance. But I, I'm completely impressed with what Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum are bringing as that young big three in Boston.
0: Yeah, this team is kind of weird in that Kemba's their veteran, but Tatum and Brown have been to the Eastern Conference Finals, what, twice now? I mean, this is the third time yeah, they've been here. been here. Kemba's never been out of the second round before, so he really didn't play well at all in their last series against the Raptors. He was really, really struggling. And Even in this game, he was 1 of 7 from the field in the first half. He ended up scoring most of those you know, 19 points in the second half and finally started to get going. He's a guy that has, like, Damian Lillard-type abilities, right? He can take over a game. He can shoot from, you know, from far out. He can, you know, hit these you know, little his little drive to the left and step-back jumper in the mid range, and he can hit that with whenever he wants to, basically, and that's what he was doing in the second half. But he should be able to take, o- take over games like this, and he just hasn't yet. We haven't really seen him do that. I think he really started to get there in the second half, but he never really took over the game. I think that's what you're seeing that's missing. From Kemba Walker, and they need that. I mean, you look at these guys in the minutes they're playing. You know, compared to the Clippers, it's pretty wild, actually. Like Brown, Tatum, Smart, and Walker all played 43 minutes uh, in an overtime game, so it's uh, pretty wild that they're playing that much. I think that this series could go either way. I hope that this series goes seven games. I'm, I love watching both these teams play right now. I think that the Miami Heat is so fascinating. Tyler Hero. <laughs> That guy, 20 years old, rookie, coming off the bench, 12 points, 11 boards, nine assists in this game, played 40 minutes. Completely took over when Duncan Robinson got in foul trouble and just was kind of unplayable because they were attacking him so much on the defensive end. But there's so much stuff. We could talk about this for hours. Renee, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and how they can subscribe to your show.
1: Absolutely, Nick. Yeah, we can. This could be like a three-day show, honestly. Um, <laughs> but I will say we have been getting into the NBA playoffs on Locked On Wizards. So you can check that out each and every day. We're actually talking about the Mystics and their upsetting loss, mm. with a, a game-winning shot by none other than former Mystics player Shea Petty. Um, to the to the Mercury on our show today as well. So we are getting there's so much going on right now, Nick. It's exciting around sports. I love it. But you can follow my personal page at Renee P Wash on Twitter, and at Locked On Wizards on Twitter. And then I'm Renee P Washington on all social media. Yeah. You How can about find- you, Nick? people follow
0: you. Yeah, you can follow me at Nick Van Exit on Twitter. I'll put a link in the description for both of our Twitter accounts. You can follow the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. All kinds of stuff about your favorite NBA basketball player Luka Doncic as well as Kristaps Porzingis. All the stuff they're going to be doing in the offseason. We'll talk playoffs as well. Isaac Harris and I every single day. Sticking with daily as long as we can. Sticking sticking with it as long as we have stuff to talk about. Draft coming up. Draft by the way is November 18th. That was solidified. Yes, so we have that I kind of news. I did see that.
1: Excited that, for that. Yeah, that's what makes you guys eight. happy. Oh, yes. That number nine spot, man. We finally have a date to look forward to and see what happens. But that's one of the most exciting things is for all the craziness going on around the playoffs, Nick. We'll be right back at it talking about the draft. And then the season will be kicking off as it should be tipping off early 2021. It just doesn't end. I love it.
0: (laughs) It doesn't. We hit the sports equinox the other day where we had like 10 major sports playing all at once, which I think was just a wild day. But guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked NBA. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you want to get. Subscribe to our podcast. I'll put links in the descriptions. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked NBA.